Hello, everyone. Uh, we're live at the St. Gabriel studio. I'm Father Adam Streitenberger. With me is our beloved bishop, Bishop Robert Brennan. Welcome, Bishop. Thank you, Father Adam, and uh, welcome to everyone who's joining us on St. Gabriel Radio and on Facebook Live. This is getting to be a regular thing. I'm it enjoying is. it. Yeah, it's it exciting. Is. I'm excited. Um, so we're here for a purpose. You know, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, put out a new encyclical letter, Fratelli Tutti. He put it out. It came out on October the 3rd, uh, the vigil for the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. That's right. Um, so maybe I could just kind of do a little intro for everyone, and then we'll um, let you kind of guide us on what the Holy Father has given us. We have an awful lot to unpack here, and I think we'll just scratch the surface yes. today, and <laughs> we'll be dealing with this for a while. But it's 270-some paragraphs, so... There you go. So we spend a minute on each paragraph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the you know, of course, it's inspired by Pope by St. Francis's interaction with the Sultan in Egypt, um, and it's really at the heart, I think, it is this sort of fraternity and social friendship that the human person, part of our dig- – we have this great dignity as human persons, and even more so that we're called really um, to live as a community, um, transcending all borders and everything like this, this concept of social friendship, which the Holy Father describes. But basically a quick outline. So first, um, kind of inspired by the experience of COVID – the Holy Father points out some problems that COVID has kind of revealed to us, the pandemic has revealed to us, but also, I think even outside of the pandemic, things that we would have seen. Um, and it's really a very nice commentary, I think, on our contemporary society, and we can touch about some of those. Um, and then he turns to the the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is interesting, is the um, gospel reading for today's um, daily Mass. So, That's right. Uh, you know, uh, somebody else was preaching today, so I didn't look until later, and I said, wow, look at that. Here we are. The <laughs> it, all, it all works out. Maybe he had it in mind. <laughs> That's right. Then he kind of sh- switches to the solutions to these problems, which ultimately is this concept of social friendship. We could kind of see it also in the terms of solidarity, which is this point from our uh, church's social teaching. Uh, this social friendship also involves dialogue, authentic dialogue, encounter with each other, um, a genuine encounter with each other. Um, and and then the process in that kind of um, giving us the solutions, he also um, critiques a few other little issues. So there's so much in here, even um, in paragraphs 270, um, the kitchen sink is even mentioned. Um, <laughs> the kitchen sink and whatnot. Every, and whatnot. <laughs> the kitchen sink. Um so, Bishop, I was wondering what are, are kind of your thoughts? You know, there's so much we could talk about with this document. but Again, I think it is something we will be coming back to many times, just as we've been coming back to so many of his writings, um, Laudato Si, um, The Joy of the Gospel, um, Christus Vivit. We, we have all of these um, pearls of wisdom, and you can see a certain continuity as you go through it. So much of what you see here, he did address in a very small way, in the joy of the gospel, mm-hmm. in those middle chapters of the joy of the gospel, he spoke about a lot of this. And as you said, he was talking about, he was thinking about this and working on it, and then the pandemic struck. And in a sense, the pandemic really taught us, exposed, if you will, a lot of the things he had been already thinking about. Hence the title, Fratelli Tutti, we are all brothers and sisters. That's a that's a basic fact that we're all connected. For, mm-hmm. for be- and one of the things that the pandemic taught us is for better or for worse, we're all connected. And we see how 
something like a virus can affect the whole world. Um, there's no one. There's no one who hasn't been affected by this. Yeah. You know, and it's in, you, interesting you mentioned continuity because you know not only is this document it's really a continuation of what he's been teaching in his Wednesday audiences, That's right. in his other um, writings. Um, but it's a continuation of the church's social teaching, too. I mean, there's so much John Paul II and Benedict in this document as well. There is. And it goes back even further than that. You mentioned um, earlier today, this is the anniversary of Quadragesi Misano, um, Pope Pius XI, I think it was. And he, he that the title itself Quadragesi Masano means the 40th anniversary 40 years mm-hmm. ago it was celebrating um Rerum Novarum mm-hmm. really one of the important <clears throat> kickoff social doctrines of the church leading into the 20th century in the time of um the industrial revolution and how it affects people so you know the other thing he says is that this pandemic has really exposed an awful lot of our false securities. Mm. And this is something he had been saying over and over and over again. And in a very tragic way, we recognize that, you know, the things we put a lot of credit into, sometimes even our own health, but you know, the economics, the, um, our, our own well-being, um, some of the bickering and the fighting that we have, in in the end, none of those is going to save us. And in fact... All things are passing, God alone. Yeah. God alone is eternal. And so what he, some of the things he critiques, and people, you know, they may get a little uncomfortable in some of these critiques because he takes on all of the different economic systems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I saw one article where the headline was, you know, he derides capitalism. Well, he also goes after yeah. socialism and the exploitation of people. But the bottom line is your salvation is not in economics. Mm-hmm. Now, Having said that, the economic welfare of all is our responsibility. Mm. And so that's the balance that he brings us. So, um, you know, and while it exposed a lot of false securities and a lot of um, problems in some of our basic assumption, I also think it brought out the best in Mm. so many people. We've seen real heroism, people who put themselves uh, in, in service to one another in incredible ways. During this pandemic. Yeah, there's one point in one of the paragraphs where he lists how we've seen these great heroes who have laid down their lives. You know, first responders, nurses, doctors, researchers, all of these different people. Um, and, you know, it, it. I think it is a reminder that when we, when push comes to shove, we are reminded that we are our brother's keeper. That's right. You know? And and that's really important. And we do that, – that comes out of us. That comes out of us. And connected to that is, again – Part of the purpose of this document, this is not just about Catholic teaching. It is very much, mm-hmm. it's an encyclical. It's a pretty high form of mm-hmm. uh, papal teaching. But he's saying this is human teaching. You, you know, th- this is about um, all people of goodwill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about natural law. You know, so um, some people might be a little uncomfortable that he he involves some interreligious dialogue in this, um, and I understand that. But what he's getting at is these are human truths, yeah. natural law, and we've come to discover through the encounter with Christ. But it's based on a on a truth of who we are created in God's own image and likeness. You know, and and he touches upon this idea of human dignity, and and it's interesting. I of course I haven't seen any critics out yet. I think we we've beaten them to the punch maybe but 
you know, one of the possible critiques that some people might throw out here is on a, a document on human dignity, he only mentions the unborn once specifically. However, throughout the whole document, he talks about the dignity of human life. That's right. He, you know, he talks about the the dignity of the human person, how the uh, the dignity of human living, you know, and how we have to re- re- respect it in all its forms. Um, but I, you know, I think part of the thing is is we know as Catholics the dignity of human life from conception to natural. We know that the unborn, the dignity of it, but we also have to remind that. And and what I think we've learned from COVID is, you know, the elderly, yes, the sick, the marginalized, the poor, those who who don't have any food or sustenance or health care, that these also, I mean, that's what COVID has revealed even much so, is that they have a dignity that we don't always respect. Indeed, indeed. Human dignity, really, it comes through over and over and over again in, in the Holy Father's teaching. And it's the human dignity of every person created in the image and likeness of God. And and that has to be the beginning of everything. You know, it's it's interesting. He talks about a certain kind of deconstructionism, you know, tearing apart human history, mm-hmm. um, kind of forgetting who we are, redefining words and and concepts. Um, he talks about the throwaway world, and the, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, the best way that to dominate and gain control over people is to despair, to spread despair and discouragement. Mm. You know. In that sense of human dignity, he he takes on something very, very interesting, something that we're taking advantage of right now, I think, in a very positive way, social media. Yeah. But he talks about this digital world, which sometimes is used not for um, enhancing human dignity, but rather for tearing it down. Um, In paragraph um, 42... um, 43, actually. What happens is paragraph 42 gets listed 42, 42, 44. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't so, catch that typo. Yeah, so it's 43. Digital campaigns of hatred and destruction for their part are not, as some would have us believe, a positive form of mutual support. Um, I'm sorry, it's actually 42 that I want. Oddly enough, while closed and intolerant attitudes towards others are on the rise... Distances are otherwise shrinking or disappearing to the point that the right to privacy scarcely exists. Everything has become a kind of spectacle to be examined and inspected, and people's lives are now under constant surveillance. Digital communication wants to bring everything out into the open. People's lives are combed over, laid bare, and bandied about, often anonymously, Respect for others disintegrates, and even as we dismiss, ignore, or keep others distant, we can shamelessly peer into every detail of their lives. And he talks about shameless aggression, and you see that um, happening in our world today. Yeah. You know, it, we talk about trolls, you know, in social media. You know, it's this is the, the first anti-troll reference. Um, papal anti-troll papal reference. Papal anti-troll reference. There you so. go. So it's a marker. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about media responsibility and the mm-hmm. media's part in this. And he talks um, – he jumps – later in the document in um, 154, he talks about the political sphere and how basically 
we've gotten to a point where you can't even s- express a concept without being categorized and boxed mm-hmm. in and redefined, as it were. You know, one of the interesting things I found, of course, I read everything through the lens of evangelization because it is what the church is about, you know. It's also my job, too. So, And, and you do it well. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think in some ways this is an evangelization document. Every church's document is an evangelization. <laughs> but, you know, the idea, first of all, Pope, uh, St. Francis went to the Sultan to evangelize right. him. But, of course, it had to be in a different way, you know, and it was with this dialogue in mm-hmm. the context of dialogue and friendship. Right. And that's how our work of evangelization happens is we have to recognize each other as brother and sister right? and engage. I mean, and that, I think, is one of the obstacles, one of the 25 obstacles to the new evangelization is when we ghettoize ourselves and say, well, those people are just pagans or they're just secularists and we have nothing to do with them, well, they're not going to get the gospel. No. And they're not going to find out who Christ is unless we engage in this genuine friendship. Unless they see us as as representatives of yeah. Christ, unless we engage. You're right. And, um, and, and again, a lot, we begin with the common experience of truth. It's not subjective. It's not that mm-hmm. there's a Christian truth and another truth. Yeah. And he explicitly says, he condemns relativism in this document. You know, he says relativism is not the answer. You know, in a pluralistic society, that's not how, that's not the answer. No, and and in fact, what we do is we begin with this, we don't have to be afraid of the truth. We begin with the common experience of the truth. Again, the human person created in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. And then you build on that. And um, that, that is a chance for us to be evangelists, to bear witness to the truth. Speaking of evangelization, he brings us to the gospel, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. You mentioned today, today's gospel, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says, you know, sooner or later, we will all encounter a person who is suffering. And then he asks, will we bend down to touch and heal the wounds of others? Again, that's my experience of these last six months. Mm-hmm seeing so many were willing to either bend down to touch and heal the wounds of others or people who have made use of social media, for example, mm-hmm. in a very positive way, that while we're distant from each other, we're also drawn together, maybe with deeper bonds, bonds yeah. of faith, hope, and love. Um, people have been very creative. But over and over, I, I've seen amazing, inspiring instances of people bending down to touch and heal the wounds of others. And, you know, it's interesting, um, and another paragraph connected to that one, it's paragraph 94, I think, he talks about um, even in our charitable action, you know, in our charitable, you know, and the church does such great, wonderful work. Right. It can't just be about cutting a check right. or sending people money. It, that that human connection of going out and working, you know, St. Vincent de Paul, when it does its right. job really, really well, you know, it goes to people's homes and interviews right. and talks with them. It doesn't just, oh, come here and get food from us or, you know, like that human engagement in charity, I think, is an important part. He, he uses he, – he's very strong on that. He says, you know, um, social friendship is not just sporadic Acts of charity. Mm -hmm. And we talk about random acts of kindness. And don't get me wrong, those are very important. We can't underestimate the power of the small things. But it's the power of the small things as part of a heart of charity and also a heart of justice. Mm -hmm. That we seek to try to build up the lives 
of one another. Rather than tear down, we have to seek to build up. And that's um, what he calls for on, on in us all over and over and over. It was interesting, too, um, and connected to those was this idea of the need for small community. And that's also, I think, in the section where he talks about solidarity, that right. on the one hand, we all need community. We need small right. group community, which I think, you know, those – um, in in our pews, you know, or those who aren't in our pews are looking for community, and that's something that we've got to provide in the work of the new evangelization. But on the other hand, we can't just be in little isolated, you know, groups. We have to go out again. And that's to what these he other calls people. about social friendship. It's yeah. not just our family. It's not just our community, but it really brings us out. There was another, I think, very important discussion in uh, sections 112 and 113 where he talks about promoting the moral good. It's not just about being community also, mm-hmm. but really bearing witness to the true moral good. Nor can we fail to mention that seeking and pursuing the good of others and of the entire family also implies helping individuals and societies to mature in moral values that foster integral human development. And then I love it. Paragraph 13, 113. Here, regretfully, I feel bound to reiterate that we have had enough of immorality and the mockery of ethics and goodness, faith and honesty. It's time to acknowledge that lighthearted superficiality has done us no good. Once the foundations of social life are corroded, what ensues are battles over conflicting interests. Again, there are some fundamental truths at the heart of everything else. It's not just, we're not community just for the sake of being together, Mm -hmm. but that it is about promoting truth and goodness. Beautiful. The, you know, he talks about um, also, you know, and and one of the things I was struck by was his, you know, so he does, you know, he does criticize this sort of market cap, market driven capitalism. Um, he also, in paragraph 165, he really um, critiques liberalism, too. Yes. And the idea that, um, you know, okay, yeah, there's some flaws with market capitalism, and he brings those out, and he has brought those out. Um, but he also says that, you know, there's no one solution or methodology methodology or eth- economic reason um, to explain everything, and that there are different courses of actions that – you know, prudential judgment might lead us to. And again, that goes back to that earlier concept that our hope isn't based on any one economic system mm-hmm. or political system. Yeah. And and we're not defined by our political affiliations. Mm-hmm. We're defined as children of God. Yeah. And there's where our hope and well-being is. Um, and I, I, would, I would probably add to that, too. I mean, you know, with all due—I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I do think it seems to me— Sometimes we can get fixated that, well, I have the solution, and this, you know, this economic theory is going to be the solution to it. But these are prudential, ju- you know, like, you know, like yeah. there's no one solution to all these problems. These that are human the Pope constructs. Has out. Yeah. These are human constructs. And, and a lot of them are good tools. They're very yeah. good tools. And, and it's good even that we argue about it because mm-hmm. that's how we see the pluses and the minuses in these tools. So that, that healthy debate's a good thing. Healthy political debate's a good thing. But these are human constructs to try to achieve justice. But it's true justice. It's God yeah. who, who is, is eternal. You know, he talks about the economic system of, you know, like the, the um, fall of uh, the economy in the, around 2008. 
and you know gets to the heart of some of it. It really some of that. Some of it was a recession, but some of it was greed, um, and some of it was these investment systems that were, weren't based on any kind of building mm-hmm. or productivity, but just basically speculation and buying and selling and trading off, and you know, and and, and without any kind of a real basis, Ponzi schemes and whatnot, all those things that that in the end just collapsed. That once the greed is exposed, it all just comes. Tumbling down. Then, um, you know, he talks about dialogue. We mentioned how he, you know, this authentic dialogue is approaching speaking, listening to each other. Um, yes. It's not relativism. Um, it's not a false tolerance either, he talks about. It is marked by kindness and this sort of renewed encounter that we really do need to talk and listen to each other. And of course, you know, one can't help in reading these sections to think about politics That's in right. our own age, in That's our right. own day, and really the need for this sort of, I, I would say, kindness, but also dialogue. This, this, and he uses the word of tenderness too. Um, and of course, not only do we think it, you, we we have to believe that he's thinking of these things. Mm-hmm. He knows the situation of the world, not just out here in our own country, but around the world, and he knows some of the different debates that are going on. And I think he is calling us to something a little bit higher. He mentions the family as a model. You know that a family, there are quarrels and disagreements in the family, um, and some of them quite passionate, perhaps even more passionate than what we even see in in today's politics. Um, but also, but in the end of the day, no matter what happens in the quarrel, they're still family, That's and right. they still love each other, and they get over this. And I think that is the I mean that's really the lesson I took from this document is we need to start looking at our brothers our fellow human beings as a member of the family. And I can disagree with them. Right. And we can even have a heated debate, but in the end of the day I love them and we can get over it right. and we can move on. And I I think whatever happens in November and, that's a lesson we got to And that keep we look mind. to build up one another. Yeah, he looked to build up one another. You know, he addresses in here. He addresses some of the issues with involving racism again, uh, and and the the importance of listening deeply to one another, recognizing that human dignity. You know, so yes, that sense of family that we are indeed connected in that deeper way in the image and likeness of God. One of the last points I wanted to bring up to you, this paragraph 277, we had talked about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's in the context of um, – and I think there – because there could – there may be some controversy mm-hmm. surrounding this paragraph. Um, but one, the context is that it's within a pl- pluralistic society. Um, you know, the church needs to be able to proclaim the gospel and to preach the gospel and to re- – because the gospel informs – our politics. That's right. You know, the, the dignity of the human person and of human life, our approach to all the issues is formed by our Christian faith. And so we have to have that in there. But he says, um, you know, he talks about how we, we drink from the source of the gospel in our understanding. But then he says, others drink from other sources. For us, the wellspring of human dignity and fraternity is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. From it there arises for Christian thought and for the action of the church the primacy given to relationship, to encounter with the sacred mystery of the other, to universal communion with the entire human family, and as a vocation for all. So, you know, other people may come, 
to similar conclusions to us about civil the civil order. In, um, but, indeed. Again, well, this is classic. We talk about natural revelation and supernatural mm-hmm. revelation. And so he's talking about our own experience of the encounter with Jesus Christ. And I love he talks about the music of the gospel. It can't cease to mm-hmm. stop. It can't cease. The music of the gospel has to continue. So, um, but but others coming to it a different way, this goes back to what I was talking about before with natural law. These are not simply revealed truths. Mm-hmm. These are naturally revealed truths. Um, you know, the, this is what we call natural law, the dignity of the person. And, um, and so, yes, however you arrive at it, we, we ha- have that truth of the encounter with Jesus Christ, and, and we're not going to step away from that in any way, shape, or form. But, um, but this idea of our being, that human solidarity, social friendship, these are universal. And, and this is something that God implanted in the human soul, in the human heart. So that we can come to know that um, in the in the in the journey, beautiful Bishop. Do you have any last thoughts on uh, this document, or maybe you know advice on how we might approach it? I really do think that we need to um, take it maybe in small bites because it is so packed. I mean, we did a rapid uh, fire kind of uh, walk through the document. Um, we could have talked more about the dignity of work and the dignity of the person, but I think if we take it bit by bit, um, then there's so much to unpack, so much to learn. And you know, you mentioned kindness. I love the fact that he enter he ends the the letter with three paragraphs on kindness. He he ends the letter um, a, a, with a certain appeal, um, and I think that. That's a call for all of us. Wonderful. Thank you, Bishop, so much for joining us. I wonder if you might give us your blessing, both those who are following us on social media and those listening to us on St. Gabriel Radio. Let us turn to the Lord with thanksgiving and hope, and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and your families and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to a special broadcast on Facebook Live, the Diocese Feed for Facebook Live, and here on St. Gabriel Radio. Um, I'm Father Adam Streitenberger. With me today has been our beloved bishop, Bishop Robert Brennan. Thank you so much, Bishop. It's always fun to be together here and do uh, these things. Until next time, peace and all good.